Howdy, y'all. Did you know that you can ease aches, pains, inflammation, and arthritis with topical CBD? Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream provides immediate relief by combining the powerful regenerative properties of CBD with other active botanical ingredients. Each bottle of Cosmetic Hemp Pain Cream is packed with 400 milligrams of their patented water-soluble CBD, ensuring maximum absorption. Be kind to your skin and head over to Cosmedicated.com, C-A-U-S-E, Medicated.com, and use South of Scruffy promo code SOS20 for 20% off of your entire order. Awesome. <sighs> Let's do the show now. Right now. We're doing the pop cast. Welcome in, y'all. South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. I'm the host of this podcast, and I thank you greatly for being here. Thanks for coming by. I've got Elizabeth Wiseman on the show today. Elizabeth is a still photographer and an educator, an online educator with a company called ProEDU. Uh, she does online courses uh, that instruct photographers on how to work with models, among other things. Uh, but I highly suggest you uh, you check her stuff out if you're a photographer or if you just want to see somebody who's awesome at their craft, be awesome at their craft. Check her out for that reason, too. Um, things are looking up here in the state of Tennessee. Uh, I think we're starting to uh, kind of go back to normal a little bit or at least start that process. Uh, everybody's feeling good and feeling better, but I, you know, I hope people are still being safe and, and, and keeping their distance and, and continuing to keep this, uh, keep this curve flattening out. Um, I've got a buddy in New York, uh, his name's JT and they're in the middle of, you know, they're in the hotbed of this, of this coronavirus thing. But I, uh, FaceTimed with him yesterday. He actually FaceTimed me. He's been uh, up in the Lake George area. He got out of New York City as fast as he could and has been staying at a cabin in, in Lake George and uh, uh, just to kind of get out of the city and, and try to stay safe that way, which I thought was a great idea. Uh, but he FaceTimed me yesterday. And uh, when I answered the FaceTime, he just had a look of horror and terror on his face. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I forgot how ugly you are. And that, um, I, he, I mean, he's right. This haircut, no haircut, no beard trim thing. I've got the, the Ted Kaczynski thing going on right now. And it's like, it's not, it's he, JT was right. I'll just say that. Uh, I want to say thanks to the people who have, uh, have joined through Patreon. That is really cool of you guys who, uh, that have all done that. There's a, a few different tier levels, but, um, I just appreciate anybody who can support the podcast with $5 here and there. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. It's helping us do great things. It's helping us do better things. It's helping us get better merch. It's helping us spread the word a little bit and, um, you know, hopefully making the product better for you guys as we continue to get more guests on, um, and, and, uh, continue to just try to provide a service of getting people's stories out in the open, interesting stories that need to be told out in the open. So thank you guys. Um, Patreon.com backslash South of Scruffy is how you can support the podcast. Uh, and there's ways to get merch on there too. So if you want a uh, shirt, coffee mug, stickers, that kind of stuff, go to patreon.com slash South of Scruffy and um, check that out. And and we'll, we'll send you some stuff in the mail, snail mail. All right, guys, all you cool cats and kittens. Ladies and gentlemen, Elizabeth Wiseman. 
You nailed yeah. it. Everything has been cleaned and disinfected since the last interview. Hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> you heard me say earlier that this is the first uh, enclosed building I've been in other than my house in two months. Enclosed is uh, is about it. It's just barely <laughs> enclosed. <laughs> I just mean I haven't even been like on anybody's patio. Yeah, that's crazy. We did a we did like a drive by birthday party for my for my daughter a couple weeks ago, and it was just like, well, yeah, it was kind of fun. I'd rather been at like you know pump it up or something. I mean, would you? <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't. I, I don't think I'd I'd prefer to be at a a kid's birthday party at a jumping place ever yeah. more than anything. Yeah. It, it's probably actually much nicer to just be able to pull into the driveway and be like, Hey, happy birthday. Wish we could have stayed longer. <laughs> see, see you later. Look like you have somebody coming in behind us. You got some cake. Just yeah. To take it together. yeah, we did. We had like a, my wife had, you know, gloves and tongs and like you know, from a distance, like dropping, you know, cookies into people's car. Oh my God, the weird, them. the weirdness, the weird times in which we live. It's going to stick with us. I feel like we're, we're always going to be like, we're, I don't think we'll, I think the handshake's gone. That's never yeah. going to be a thing again. I know people sometimes post about like missing hugs. I'm like, nope. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, I kind of, I guess there's something about them I miss, but like the idea of it is just yeah. a nope. Yeah, for me see, right now. I'm a bit of a hugger. So I, I do, I, I don't really miss it, but I'm like trying to figure out what to, you know, do we like bump feet? I don't want to fist bump right now. Like, <laughs> I can I text you and say, Hey, like it's <laughs> the right way to do this. I told somebody, I was like, I was watching a, a TV show the other day or movie or something. And it was like, uh, it's probably probably wasn't very old. It's like six months, a, a year old TV show, and people were like shaking hands and hugging. I was like, "You monsters! What are you thinking?" And I was like, "That's, that's no. not allowed anymore." Real talk. I mean, it, it's it's something that I feel every day when I watch TV. I'm like, "Oh, that's dated." You yeah, know, just seeing exactly. people touch it feels yeah. like it's like watching a '90s rom com and seeing all the sexism. You're yeah. like, "Oh, don't touch. That's dated. Let's not yeah. do that anymore." Yeah, that's <laughs> funny watching some of that stuff. And even like, I'm a big Arrested Development fan, and like. They had some stuff in the early 2000s. I'm like, oh, that's just straight racist. <laughs> like, that would never fly never right now. Fly. Sexism, racism, all that stuff is not his. his uh, it's changed a lot, even in the last yeah. couple of years. I mean, you know, me too. This is not on the subject at all. Yeah. But like, I just watched things even from two years ago. And I'm like, ooh, stand up comedy is the best. Yeah. That's the measure. That's the real measure of where we are culturally is yeah. when you watch something and you can immediately go, I'm going to check on Netflix when this was filmed because it feels really inappropriate. Yeah. Have you seen Dave Chappelle's new? Stand up sticks and stones, and that's I felt very uncomfortable during that. Yeah. I mean, but that I think that was the point, right? I it mean, was it, was, point, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was rough. everything like everything that you can't talk about was his outline, I think, for that special. It was something, yeah. Was I was something. watching it for with my wife, and I was like, I this doesn't feel right. No, this doesn't feel right. I had a lot, I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of grievances, but I yeah, won't, I won't go into yeah. them right now. That's all right. So, are you staying busy? Are you doing stuff? Are you? Yeah. 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 So, you know, I've got, I got two kids at home, so that's a big deal and I'm um, homeschooling one of them. And so that's on the personal side, you know, we stay super busy with that. My yeah. mom is in cancer treatments and trying to help, help her and, and take care of her. And that adds a layer Damn. of, um, of just sort of awareness. I mean, she's yeah. okay, you know, in, the, in real time, she's all right. Um, but you know, it just sort of makes you go, okay, these are the, the priorities and these are the big deal. Things. Did you say you homeschool your kids? Well, my six-year-old's a kindergartner. You know, everybody's yeah. homeschooling them. So. Oh, you're, you mean just now you do? Yeah, you didn't yeah, yeah. before. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, <that'd be> <laughs> no, that was not a thing. How's your mom doing? She's okay. So, um, you know, and it's one of the reasons we live here. I mean, we moved here last year for that reason. Um, but she is on year three of a breast cancer journey, um, and it's been crazy. So she's... 
Um, you know, and I don't think she would mind me saying this kind of thing. She has this really incredible blog that, you know, lots of people follow. I know you oh, said cool. you want India Kane Cannon to be on the show. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he has, a follower you know, follows my mom's blog and things What's like that. What's it called? Um, it's called Cancer House. Oh, cool. Because um, my dad's actually an oncologist. And so oh, um, it's really, it's just an interesting dynamic that, you know, she has this cancer journey and, you know, we grew up with cancer as part of our like family story yeah. because my dad was an oncologist. Yeah. And so, so yeah, check it out. If you have anybody in your life yeah. that, that struggles or suffers from cancer because she, she's very um, honest about it, but she's a writer. She's a poet. Um, she taught at UT in, in English. So she's, you know, her writing is really compelling. And so, um, so yeah, it's just, she, uh, she has gone through most of the traditional treatments. She's actually maxed out her lifetime limit on several of the, the mainstream chemo drugs. And so, so she's done with that, uh, you know, did all the, the top radiation stuff, which is like the proton therapies and yeah. all the stuff. Um, and I took a, a, a portrait series that's, I think is pretty interesting too. Where's that? Um, is that on your website? Yeah, you can find that on my website. So my website's wisemanphoto.com. And then I, on my Instagram, it's on there too. And um, so we took some photos of her after her mastectomy. And then she had a lot of burning from the... This is turning really dark. That's all right. Now. I mean, it's, it's real life. <laughs> yeah, so um, and it's, it's a really big part of my Knoxville story, really, is, is my mom right now. So yeah. she... Um, so yeah, she's now in a clinical trial um, at Sarah Cannon, which is a, a an incredible research um, hospital out of Nashville. So okay. she goes once a week to Nashville. Oh damn! I know, not crazy. By herself, she drive. Or... Uh, she does not drive because she can't. She's not supposed to drive after chemo. Uh. So um, my dad takes her, um, which is which is cool for now. There may be a time when um, I take her too, which is is going to be totally fine. Yeah. But it's one of the reasons I, I'm extra careful. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't. I just want to make sure that I'm not um, exposing her to anything yeah. if I have to sit in the car with her. Is your dad still working? He is a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So he, um, he semi-retired, um, but he covers for people. So, yeah. So he's around. Man. I mean, first off, like it, the, the fact that your mom has a, a, a blog that's very well received and that she's a writer doesn't surprise me because people with cancer, cancer survivors in particular, I just, I always notice this, like such a sense of gratitude and such a, a just a sense of real life and what's important sure. that is very universal and people cling to it because yeah. so many people worry about a lot of bullshit that doesn't matter. Yeah. And cancer survivors and people that have cancer, uh, they really care about the things that matter, it seems like, a lot of times. Absolutely. And I think maybe it's a little different. The cancer journeys are even a little different than, like, trauma or something yeah. else like that because your your world changes, but it also kind of stays the same, right? Like, so a lot of people who are on sort of the cancer train, they, they, they are still going to work and they're still yeah. taking care of their families and they're, you know, doing their treatments while they do all the other stuff. I mean, it's, you know, if you break your leg, you, you go to the hospital, you get your treatment, you kind of chill out for a while and then you get better. And a lot of times with cancer, it just doesn't feel that way. And so yeah. all of a sudden you start to go like, man, there's a lot of things about my life that I did before that were easier and now yeah. they're just so much more harder yeah. in addition to the, the really scary stuff that comes along with it too. So yeah. it's definitely a perspective thing. And I, yeah. and I think there's a bit of a, like, like all oh, things happen for a reason. And like, if you pray hard enough, you like cure your cancer that starts to just feel really false. And, and I think that yeah. provides some perspective too. Sure. I hope she gets, gets well Thanks. and beats, kicks Me its too. ass. I'm sure so she will. Yeah. She's tough. So, uh, your parents are still together, I guess. Mm -hmm. Did you grow up with both of them? In Knoxville? I did, yeah. So yeah. I grew up, we moved here to, my dad went to medical school when I was a kid. So, um, so did you go to Memphis? Mm -hmm. or, yeah, yeah, UT, I did. Yeah. He went to UT Memphis when I was, 
guess I was two when he started. Is that right? I don't know. So I was I was pretty little when he started me- medical school, and then we moved around a bit while he did his uh, residencies and, and fellowships and stuff, and settled oh, cool. in Knoxville in '94. Okay. And lived here, and I, I lived here all the way through college. Yeah. Awesome. And then moved away for a while. Uh, where did you go to Farragut? Is that right? I did. Yeah. Cool. What were What were you guys into? What were you into growing up? Did you do sports and all that? I did. I did a yeah. lot of sports. But you're yeah. kind of tall. Like you, you look kind of fast too. Yeah. <laughs> go on my tombstone you look kind of fast well i saw you navigate some of those puddles outside i was like she's quick she's quick (laughs) showing in your in your older years yeah no i did we did a lot of sports um my parents are both nerds right my mom's a phd my dad's an md so we were pretty nerdy too my brothers are nerds and in all the best ways but um but yeah so i did track i did rock climbing i did oh cool some some stuff you got brothers i got some brothers are they younger uh one older one younger i'm the middle child hence the fact that i'm like hey (laughs) (laughs) can i be on stage right now yeah exactly what's being a middle child like i've always wondered i'm an older brother and the the middle child thing you always hear it's got its own like its own archetype it's like what about me right (laughs) i don't you know i think maybe i'm not a good example because my um i'm the only girl so oh yeah uh, so so you kind of got some extra attention anyway yeah and i'm I'm definitely the only extrovert in the entire family like literally my my parents are both super introverts my brothers are like please don't talk to me um (laughs) one of my brothers is he wouldn't he would totally be like absolutely that's me um one of my brothers will like show up to thanksgiving and then halfway through be like yeah really (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm good he's like i'm just gonna go my mom is like i understand you can go (laughs) (laughs) talking about feelings you need to you should get out of here let's just let's just cut this short yeah so when your dad was in medical school you said you were two so you had an older brother at that point that's a that's a lot to deal with going through medical school. Two babies? That's right. going to be and crazy. My, my little brother was a surprise in the middle of medical school. Oh, gosh. Yeah, my mom, you know, this. And since there's a bit of a mom narrative here, yeah, my mom was a rock star. So my dad was in medical Heck school. Yeah. He's, you know, he's really a straight-laced guy. So, you know, he, he studied hard, worked hard, and that was his focus. Yeah. And uh, and my mom, you know, worked two jobs, juggled the kids. She's a great, wow. she's a great mom. She's the kind of mom that you go, you're like, you know, do you, do you show it when you're, you know, sad or upset? Yeah. Um, you know, she's not like a, a Betty Crocker, like fake type. She's actually yeah. very real and very cool, but she, she definitely did it all. We were living in urban Memphis, had no money cause my dad was in school yeah. and, and, you know, she took us to all the cultural events and yeah. juggled it all. I don't even know. Now that I have kids, I'm like, I, yeah, I don't know how people <laughs> did it. I, I can't, I can't handle this, I know. you know? Right. So your mom was teaching at the time too in Memphis or? Yeah. And, you know, that part of her story, um, there's some vagaries in my mind, but yeah, yeah, she was teaching at a private school and she has some funny, she has some funny anecdotes about being a bad teacher. Not really because she just was inexperienced, <laughs> but you know, just how stressful it can be when you're kind of new and how yeah. you want to be really hard nosed. And, um, when you're a new teacher, yeah. because you really want it, want to be respected. Yeah. And then you, as you get older, you know, she taught for 30 years. And so as you get older, you kind of go, Oh, you know, being hard nosed doesn't work. Compassion works better. Yeah. So she has some interesting stories just about how tough that was in Memphis. Yeah. And I think a lot of that toughness has to do with doing a lot of it on her own. Yeah. Uh, so she made the, at some point she made the trip to college to, or to teach in college. You said she was a professor. Yeah. UT. So, yeah. um, 
she, I think she just kind of worked her way up the ladder in, yeah. in the education community. And when my dad was in, OS, uh, he was doing some stuff at OSU in his residency. Or is it OSU? Or, anyway, Ohio hospital. State or we Oklahoma were in Columbus, State? wherever he was oh, at, okay. whatever hospital he was yeah. at. We were in Columbus and she taught at Columbus State. And so she did some, she kind of did the um, community college circuit for a while there. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then, uh, and then somehow, yeah, she, when we moved to Knoxville, she got a job in, um, at UT doing adjunct. And then when I was in high school, she got her PhD. Isn't that crazy? Really? Yeah. So, Three kids, no big deal. No big I'll just deal. go ahead and get my PhD while I'm at it. I know. So she's a, she's a she's a, a hustler for sure, and That's like awesome. sort of keeps her eye on what she wants. And, and it uh, sounds like both your parents are hustlers a little yeah. bit. Did that did that run in the did that run in the family? Is that where you got your your hustle from too, or was that learned? <laughs> no, I think so. I mean, my you know we we have pretty distinct identities in my family, and not to go into too much detail about you know who who we are, but who, yeah. my my older brother is um, you know a, a real traditional achiever. Um, he's you know DC um, you know high achiever in, yeah. in the government and things like that, and then. Um, you know, I, I was just a little more artsy, but mm-hmm. I always did think I was uh, intended to do a lot of education, and I and I did end up getting a master's degree um, at UT, and and I, I really always did want to do well in whatever I did, yeah. and so it was kind of tough because I thought maybe I wanted to do medical school like my dad, and then that just wasn't. How far did you get down me. the down the medical school path before you said no organic well, chemistry? Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> when I failed the second semester of physics, <laughs> we just thought maybe art art was a better choice. Um, no, I, I got about that far, and somewhere in one of my um, science heavy semesters, I took an art class, um, and I'd always liked art, um, but I had never taken it at, in school. And besides in high school. And uh, and I just found that the people in the painting program at UT were so smart. There yeah. was just something really cool about the way that they thought about things and the way um, the way they they just took something that to me had always been pretty literal, like the way that paint goes on a canvas and yeah. then started to really break down a lot of our preconceptions about you know, the window that is art, like the thing that you're looking through and looking at when you're making art. And, and I just sort of couldn't, my mind was sort of exploded because, you know, the science stuff, the path I had been on had always been very literal and always been very straight. And so, um, so yeah, I went down that rabbit hole hard. I was like a hard left turn. Yeah. (laughs) Left that, left, left all of that. Was it painting? Is that kind of what you're, where you went from there? Or is is it just like a, like a, like a, just kind of a generic art degree that's everything. No, I had a BFA in painting eventually. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, no, it was awesome. And, and the thing is, is this was the, this is going to age me a little bit, date me, but um, this was the early 2000s. And so, and I'm a photographer now, right? So um, photography was weird at the be- the early 2000s because mm-hmm. it was that cusp between film to digital. Film to digital mm-hmm. and, and there's this weird period that a lot of photographers talk about where they were both kind of cost prohibitive, right? Like yeah. film had gotten crazy expensive and, and Processing felt it. obsolete and felt <laughs> yeah. complex. And the, the equipment we would be using, even if we wanted to go down that road, was dinosaur equipment. Yeah. And then, you know, you started to step into the digital world and the quality was crap mm-hmm. and it was expensive. And you yeah. just so as a young person, it was like, I don't I don't even know what this route looks like. And I, I don't think I had the foresight to really make a conscious choice. It just didn't seem like the thing I wanted yeah. to study. So. so photography didn't didn't seem like a good part for good spot for you to land. Not at the time, you know, yeah. not, I did, I did try. No, I mean, I think the short answer is no. Yeah. yeah. It just was not, it was, it was not a, a weird medium. time. It was a tweener time yeah. for the technology yeah. and, and the I, art form. I took, a lot of, I took a lot of photos as reference for paintings oh, I eventually gotcha. made. And so I think that that was maybe my brain's like way of connecting yeah. the dots was like, I really think that photography as an image making 
process is interesting and I think it's important and I think it helps us to tell a story. Yeah. But it just, the medium of creating fine art photography was just never for me. And I think to this day, it's really not exactly my path. I mean, I think I'm a commercial photographer through and through because of that. And that's yeah. okay. So. So with the, with the painting, something I've always, like, I've always appreciated art. I've always tried to pick it apart. I've always tried to feel what, whoever made it, how they made it, what they were trying to feel when, or what they want me to feel when they made it. But something that always, that always kept me from, from being a a decent artist and being able to realize what I had in my head was like, was the tactile nature of it. And I feel like, like there's this some kind of golden strand in between your brain and your hand that has that's it has to be innate. Like I mean, I'm sure you can learn a lot of it, but I mean, I feel like there's something there. Like you can either do it or you can't. Do you feel like do you feel like that's right, or is uh, it something you can learn? And pick y- up? Yeah, I mean, I think that my my canned answer, and I've given this answer a lot in my life um, to a version of this conversation, and that is, I think it's eighty twenty. Um, I think it is eighty percent hard work and twenty percent okay. innate. But I mean, if you think if you break that down, then that means people who have it innate are 20% ahead of them from birth, right? They're, yeah. they're, they can do absolutely nothing and still be, you know, par. Yeah. And then, um, and then you have someone like my husband, who's also a visual artist and, um, he has, he has the talent, right? Really? His, and you, you know, in the art world, you call it the hand. He has like the hand that makes it has this, this beautiful quality to it. Really? Like, it's a great brushstroke. It's a great pen stroke or whatever. Yeah. He has this hand that, you know, he, we could be drawing the exact same thing mm-hmm. and I have, I have this BFA. I have this like fancy degree and I spent, you know, I spent 24 hours a day in this, you know, artist studio with couches we all slept on, you know, all this stuff that makes me this like artist with a capital A. And then here's my husband who's essentially self-taught who, who just makes beautiful things and and he's just got it. So, so, but then now he, he's, you know, a hard worker. So he's, so added it all in and I can never be there. Right. If I don't have that 20%, then I can only get to 80. Yeah. Whereas I feel he, can, he can make it all the way. I gotcha. Right? So, yeah. So when did you make the jump from, from painting to, to photography? <laughs> well, that, that story is a little convoluted, but the short answer is, is that all through college, I worked at a modeling agency and it was just my weekend job. I really liked it. What'd um, you do there? I was just kind of a jack of all trades. Like I, um, I taught some acting classes. I answered the phones. I just did whatever was needed. Um, and it's funny cause after a lot of years of that, um, and making a lot of friends in that industry and just being a curious person and asking them questions and being, you know, just being into the world of the industry, I, I knew a lot about it. And so, um, I bought my first DSLR, DSLR camera and that's kind of another story too. But, um, and I called my boss and I was like, listen, I'm having to be on set with every photographer we hire because they suck. And uh, <laughs> no offense to the photographers back then. I'm sorry. Um, they didn't actually suck. But there, there's just something really specific about what you need in the modeling industry for, for working talent. And they just weren't giving it to us. And I was always having to. So she was having to pay me to be there so mm-hmm. that I could make sure they're wearing the right things. So kind of art direct, yeah, so to speak. That's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly it. And so I was getting this art degree anyway. And, you know, she and I started talking and I was like. Hey, I, I just want to do this. Will you help me pay for my camera? I mean, that's yeah. really what it came down to. I was like, yeah. I just want to buy this camera. So she was supportive. Um, I started doing it. And then the next jump in the narrative is that when I moved to St. Louis, um, I had finished my master's degree. I thought I was going to do something else completely. And I just found work doing as a photographer. Do, yeah. Doing actors, headshots and models portfolios, which is what I'd been doing okay. all along. So you were in undergrad still when you had the job at the modeling agency and through and through grad school. Okay. So you did grad school at UT also. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And that's not an art either. And that's, 
you know, I ended up studying political science for my master's. Well, that's well-rounded though. Yeah. 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 I actually didn't get in anywhere for an MFA and, and I don't mind to, to tell that story either because there's not really anything to it. I just didn't get in. But yeah. I mean, I don't mind ever to like share that with young people either because I, it was not my path. It was never yeah. meant to be my path to be a f- painter. And I look back on that and I think, uh, you know, I wasn't great at painting and I just, I really, really just loved being around the people and I loved the, the conversations that, that flowed from that. And, um, and so when I put together my portfolio for grad school for an MFA, it just, it was kind of a mess because it wasn't my voice, right? Like, so if you're not really meant to make that channel of art, the voice that comes out isn't going to be true. Right? Gotcha. And so, yeah. so my, my paintings were muddled. They were, they were too diverse. There just really wasn't a, a thread through them. And, gotcha. and I got rejected from five different schools when I tried to get an MFA. And, and they um, judge you, they judge you on your, on your work or do they judge you on interview or do they, they're just, is it past work strictly? Yeah, it's past work. Really? It's, it's a, it is a visual portfolio. So it's a, wow. um, yeah, you screen at the time. So this was ages ago, right? We actually sent in slides. So we did slide film and sent in slides and and uh, that's all they get. They get this sleeve of slides. And they, you do an artist statement and some little things like that. But there's like, there's no GRE. There's no none of that stuff yeah. for MFA. They don't right. give a shit. Uh, I don't know if I can. Yeah, I say you that? can say whatever like, you can want. I say the, the bad words? Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, the bad words allowed? Um, so anyways, they don't care. Um, but yeah, we, uh, yeah, so I took some time off. I traveled a little bit and realized that another passion of mine was sort of world events and politics. And, and, uh, and in my family, as you know, you heard in my early story in my family, you know, when in doubt, go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. so that's what I did. I did yeah. that. Um, my brother was living in DC. I had a lot of friends in DC and I just thought, you know, politics is really interesting to me and, and UT had a good poli sci program. So, and they gave me some money. So did you look up to your brother and, and kind of think I kind of want to be like him? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. yeah, my brother's cool. Yeah, my yeah. brother's a good guy, and his wife is his wife is an aerospace engineer, and she does you know contracts for all. A real of, dummy, huh? Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Growing up, that was a, that was like a joke when they first got married. They got married kind of young, and um, I was like, you know, my older brother always looked up to him, and he's amazing. And I, and I just always never thought that there'd be a girl that came along that would be good enough. And it's like, oh, you found a rocket scientist. Sorry. Yeah, of course, <laughs> it's not I'll, rocket I'll, science. I'll, yes, I'll it is. That. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, she's awesome, and she's really cool. And at the time, she was pursuing a lot of. Um, a lot of government stuff. So I admired that about her. I mean, she still does, but in a, you know, in a, definitely in an yeah. en- engineering capacity now. So she- yeah. So how did you said St. Louis, how'd you, did you end up there right after, right after your, uh, 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 masters? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. This, 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 this journey is a journey, right? Um, yeah, totally yeah. so my husband, my husband intervened a little bit and that, so he's an interesting, so you guys met in college then? Um, no. So uh, yes and no, I was in grad school. Yes. Uh, so, so there was a piece of that. Um, so actually, um, Mike Deering, who mixes the show, uh, we had our first date at his house, but, uh, so we had a lot of mutual friends and we just actually met at a bar. But, um, the funny part of the story is as I, when I was finishing grad school, I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do, even though I'd gone into grad school, not knowing what I wanted to do. And, um, and so I was joining the Peace Corps. Um, oh, no my, way. Yeah, well, one of my girlfriends was joining too, and she had gotten this placement in Madagascar. Anyways, she and I had gone through this whole process. And then um, there was this moment where um, you're supposed to get your nomination. And I had worked all this time to get a nomination in Latin American development because that's what I'd studied. And that's a nomination from who, from what <clears throat> the United States government, man. Yeah. yeah. They nominate you to go, um, to the place where you are most needed. Gotcha. And, and you have to sort of apply for a nomination before mm. you can actually accept 
the position. Gotcha. And so it's like a two-year process. It's kind of crazy um, to volunteer, you know, two years of your life to the oh, United States no. government. No, and it, it, it's a really inspiring process, and the people who do it are amazing people. But, um, but yeah, so what ends up happening, though, is if you are not super careful, you can end up getting a nom- gone through this multi-year process. And I ended up getting a, a nomination to teach English um, at a university in the Ukraine. Mm. Um, so that is my f- official, that was my official placement from the United States government. Really? And you were going for Latin America? <laughs> yeah. So I'd spent two years kind of focusing on Latin American development works. So Did that, that feel like another piece of rejection? Like kind of <laughs> like the MFA thing? Yeah. So in a, in a way, I think it, I think it felt like, um, so in, in, at that same time I had met my husband within a few weeks of that. And it just felt like one of those moments. I mean, I don't know how everybody else explains their life, you know, whether it's God or or the universe or, you know, just fate. Um, but it just felt like it felt like a free like a free chance to let go of something I had yeah. been clinging to. Yeah. And I really think that whole season of my life that I'm in, eternally grateful for um, was a was a bit of a floundering time, right? Yeah. You know, I'm a photographer, I got a BFA, and then somewhere in the middle, I got a master's in political science, right? So yeah. it doesn't fit, right? Yeah. And and I think that getting that nomination was sort of the universe's way of like letting me go, right? Yeah. And so you're still, you know, there's still all this, this pomp and circumstance behind a Peace Corps nomination that you're not supposed to reject it no matter what you get. Oh, really? Yeah, because if you reject one nomination, another one doesn't come down the pipeline. Right. So, so it's like you didn't get into this to go where you wanted to go. You got into this to help humanity. Exactly. Is that kind of the feeling? Yeah, exactly. That's the narrative. Yeah. So so it was a big decision. Um, it was a decision that I did not take lightly. And then and so then once once I did decide to walk away from that, I had nothing, right? Yeah. I, had, I was done with school, had no jobs. Mm-hmm that I was looking forward to. Some dude you've been dating for two weeks. <laughs> literally, like literally. Yeah, poor Daniel. He moved in with me after he'd known me for two, two weeks. Um, and so so he um, he and I were going to take, and I had I had taught, um, uh, I taught poli-sci 101, I'm sorry, to all of my students, my students <laughs> that I probably either like brainwashed into my liberal identity or either taught you nothing, one or the other. I'm not sure which one. But, um, but yeah, so I, I had taught and so they pay you through the summer. Oh yeah. And so I had this little bit of money. It was like 900 bucks a month. That felt like a fortune. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was so much money. Yeah. So, um, and so Daniel and I were like, we're going to go on this grand, this grand adventure across the country. And, uh, and he had a buddy that lived in St. Louis and his buddy was like, Hey, come, uh, come interview for a job to my husband, not to me. Um, and, uh, and you know, just, you know, when you guys get done with your road trip, you can maybe come back and work at the company yeah. I work with. And we showed up on a Friday and he started work on a Monday. So we no in, way. Yeah. That's how we ended up. In and you, got, you and Daniel had known each other for several days by now. So, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. So I guess at that point we'd been together for like three or four months. So okay, I guess cool. maybe, maybe almost five. Yeah. yeah that's we were, awesome. We were all in, right? Dude, sometimes you just know. <laughs> oh yeah. You Daniel know what I mean? Just knew. Yeah. yeah. We've been together 10 years now. So it's like. You must've really, you guys must've really felt good about it to, <laughs> to move to a a place neither of you ever lived or had many connections, I guess, just because he had a job. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're both freelance artists, you're like, hey, you got a job. Yeah. (laughs) Let's follow that. How about a couch? Uh, Yeah. Do you think we can get, you're going to get insurance? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I've never had that. What was that gig that Uh, he got? Yeah. So, so my husband's an illustrator, uh, which I've alluded to, uh, um, but he, at the time it was a corporate, uh, sort of a graphic design UI job, oh, cool. um, but it had an illustration element to it that he built up over time. Um, so, you know, it's I'm building websites. Or? <clears throat> yeah. So it was at a corporate company that, um, did like B2B stuff. I won't go into gotcha. it, but, um, 
but yeah, so he he did like their newsletters and okay. their uh, yes. Yeah, they had graphic design and and art needs and yeah, and he did. He them. fulfilled them, yeah. and he was young and ready to go. Yeah, and yeah. every once in a while he'd be like, "Hey, can I can I do my own custom illustration for our Christmas card?" And they'd be like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> so, um, well, that's an above and beyond thing. I mean, that's something that you wouldn't do if you were just phoning it in, you know, yeah. phoning your job in. He obviously cared. Yeah, I, I actually admire a lot of things that he has done over his career to to sort of stay true to what he really wants to do. So yeah. whenever he's, and I, I'm only going off on this tangent because I, I think that it's one of the biggest takeaways that I have as an artist all the time, which is like, even when you're doing something, that's not the thing, whatever, you know, with capital T, the thing, yeah. um, then you can always kind of inject whatever your voice is mm-hmm. and sort of make that your own. And that, yeah. and you don't feel it when you're 22, that there's momentum to that. But at, over the course of a career that really builds. And then you get to this point where you go, you kind of look around and you go, Oh shit, I'm like doing the thing. I'm yeah. like doing the thing. I always see it with new, you know, young people coming out of school that either come to work for us or otherwise. And, you know, they're 22, 23 years old and I see them coming to set and, and doing stuff and we're paying them and they're working. And then it's the ones that go and shoot stuff after hours and shoot stuff on the weekends and do their own projects yeah. that are really the ones who have a passion for it. Yeah. And I don't, I just don't think it's that hard to identify in people. It, no. It's pretty easy just to see the people that are really passionate about it. Right. And I feel bad because I don't do that anymore. Like I, I did when I first got started, but it's like now, Same. Yeah, I know it's like now I, I, I don't, I don't have the time and it's almost like people ask all the time time about film festivals and I'm like I would love to help you but that's what I do every day and just like I'm I I just like to spend some time with my family that weekend I'm sorry yeah you know what I think the grown-up version of that is is um pitching like I think the grown-up version of that is to like when something is coming down that pipeline and you're going like hey I I I have a way I could do that Mm -hmm. you know in a way that will fulfill me yeah and I think that that's our way of doing it because you're right I don't have that time either I don't have time to do a lot of creative projects and so so what I just try to do is try to like bend my reality exactly that's exactly right is is make it make it the thing Mm -hmm. you know don't don't be a hobbyist anymore you know do it do it for and and, share your ideas pitch them so that other people can be like part of that too and Mm -hmm. like you can really kind of get people going oh yeah Ben's really you know Elizabeth Ben, whoever is really thinking about this in a different way. And I think that that's, I think that's gross. Yeah. It's a way that you can kind of marry, marry your passion into your, into your reality, no matter what your reality is. There's a way you can build something. You can fashion something, (laughs) make it yours. All right. So you guys are in St. Louis. Yeah. Did you have a job yet? I did not. So I was, um, I was like a teary eyed housewife every day for like a couple of months. When am I going to find a job? Well, not even that. Just like, just, I didn't, my husband didn't care. He was like, whatever, just, you know, hang out here. He was, he was making okay money, but we'd always been so poor that like the money he was making felt like millions. Yeah. Um, it was more than $900 a month. It was more than $900 a month. Imagine that. (laughs) Um, and so I think it was just boredom and identity, like the stripping of my identity and, and, you know, having to go, you know, I don't, I don't know anybody here. And also, um, this is going to sound so weird, but Knoxville has beautiful weather Yeah, pretty much year round. I mean, people who live here don't really appreciate it, but when you move to somewhere that has extreme weather, Mm -hmm. um, you don't realize how mild it is here. And so, St. Louis had this really hot summer, the summer we moved there. And there's never been like a crazy hot summer in Knoxville. You can always do something outside. 
Um, and so, or at least, you know, this was also 10 years ago and global warming has changed things a little <laughs> bit, but, um, I just remember being like depressed about that yeah. and going, when do people go outside? Yeah. Like when, do, when can I get some sunshine? When can I, when can I see a light? I was freezing my ass off three weeks ago and now it's 110 oh, degrees every day. What's going on? But you know, and I, to be fair, if anybody's listening to this, that thinks that I don't like St. Louis, you're wrong. I love St. Louis. It's an incredible place, <laughs> but it was, it was just a tough identity stripping summer for me. Yeah. And then, and um, you were, you weren't that busy, right? I mean, you didn't have a lot to keep you busy. You could kind of occupied your time with in your head, probably yeah, a little cleaning bit. Cleaning my house. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was interesting. So I I did apply for a bunch of jobs. Um, not a bunch, but I did apply for jobs in. So I just come out of poli sci grad school. Yeah. So imagine that. And so, and I didn't really even know what people. Also, when you surround yourself with academics, including my parents, you actually don't know what people do in the real world because my parents, <laughs> like, you know, my dad's a doctor at a hospital, and my mom like taught at a university. So yeah. like you, this is you study the thing, and then the job is there. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, what do people with poli sci degrees? do. And so there was a bit of that. And, uh, and I just just wasn't excited about anything. I I remember going to one job interview and there was this round table full of women and they were like attractive and they seemed powerful and strong, but there was this weird air about the room where it was like hustle hard or you, or or you're nothing here. And, and I just, I'm, I've been a work-life balance person kind of my whole life. Like I really, and and this idea, idea that I was going to get this job working for some association that wrote letters to lobbyists or something. I don't know what I was going to do. Um, and, and that I would sit there for 10 hours a day and sometimes on weekends and work my, you know, fingers to the bone. And then that was the thing that would be rewarded was this like traditional capitalism identity, you know, help us, help us make money. And it just didn't feel, um, it didn't feel, it didn't, it just didn't feel authentic to me and uh, to use a bad, you know, buzzword, but, um, (laughs) But then I, I just introduced myself to the talent agencies in town just because I was kind of mm. looking for something creative to do. and Had some experience there, too, that you could point to. Exactly. And you know what else I did? And this is a bit embarrassing to say, but looking back. But I actually did some acting. Oh, um, awesome. Because I knew that that's, you know, as you know, and, and so this is, you know, insider information, everybody on a set not everybody, but a lot of people on sets has, have done other things yeah, in the industry. I sure. mean, there's a lot of people who, um, you know, who wear different creative hats and shift from one place to another. Yeah. So I kind of knew that if I could just get on set, yeah, that I could figure out who in town was making stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I started, I got an agent, um, just, you know, a small commercial agent and I did a little bit of commercial acting and, um, some awesome. print stuff and yeah. And it just helped me go, Oh, and then you get your call sheets and you go, Oh, that's a studio. Okay. Yeah. And I know that guy now. And like, I know the stylist, I started writing for a blog because there was a st- stylist and who worked on a shoot that I was on. And I just, I just very intentionally plugged in. Yeah. Um, and then from there I introduced myself to start doing actors headshots in town. And then that was actually more demand than you would think. And so it, it took off on its own. Um, That's really savvy though. I mean, of you to, to just, I mean, you're one of those people who would have made it no matter what you decided to do. I mean, you got in, well, seriously, I mean, you get in there, you get the call sheet and then you go down and you say, Oh, that's an ad agency. Cool. Okay. That's a director. Okay. Got it. This is a a rental house. Like you just kind of familiarize yourself with the marketplace. It's smart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's helpful. I mean, and I'm a over communicator by nature. I mean, you probably see that in this podcast, but, um, (laughs) no such thing. Yeah. Uh, so if you, if you find yourself in those situations, you know, if you, if you feel like you really know who, who everybody is and what it, it's just clear as someone who likes to be involved and who, who likes to talk to the right people about the right things and get big ideas out there. Um, it just really gave me some focus and some yeah, direction. So. Absolutely. How'd the acting thing go? <laughs> I am a terrible actor. Really? Oh yeah. But you got work. 
<clears throat> it was mostly non-speaking, which, you know, is like every acting job in the Midwest and Southeast. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, I didn't do one acting job that was just the worst. Was it? Um, it was for like a... Why was it so bad? Oh, because it was like a pay... Okay. Um, let me see if I can make this an interesting story instead of just like a fail. But um, <laughs> that, that is interesting. <laughs> uh, so I had this casting director who I, I love and adore and, and stay in touch with to this day who would think of me for things specifically. And and they wanted like a real person creative. Um, and I think it was for like smokeless tobacco or something that is not PC. Um and because they really didn't want this like produced feel. And so I go in and they had this like whole page of dialogue and I must've just been on it on the audition because I, I'd like plowed through this, this dialogue and uh, memorization is not my forte. Yeah. And, th- and I also just usually went into these auditions, like, eh, you know, if I don't get it, it's not my passion. Yeah. It's not my, my thing. If I don't get it, I, I did my best because I'm always going to bring my best to most tables, but uh, it was just not something I expected to get. Anyways, apparently the director had made a, a case for me. Really? Like he had like gone to bat for me. <laughs> so it was I, a real person. It, they were trying to cast a real person. Well, as a, they just wanted that feel. So they yeah. didn't want one of their like, you know, really well rehearsed theatrical people doing the role. So they were calling in people they knew from, gotcha. from the local market gotcha. that had the, like the experience and yeah. the ability to be on camera. And I, I do better. I've done a lot of on camera stuff. Um, over the years, uh, but as myself, like, yeah. you know, hosting and things like that, yeah. that's just a thing that I've done. And so this casting director knew that about me. So she's like, you know, you want to think about this girl. And so she brought me in. She went to bat for me. This director went to bat for me and I show up on set, but I didn't know that. Right. Like I just show up, I just had booked this thing. I'm yeah. like, okay. So I had not done that much work on the page of, you know, um, dialogue. And I had probably spent way too much time just trying to make sure that like my makeup looked good for camera yeah. because that's my wheelhouse, right? Like the yeah. stuff that like, wait, I got to things... speak for this. Yeah. <laughs> so I sit down Ben, and I blanked. Really? I kid you not. I think they did, um, 36 takes. Oof. It Oof. was just the most Oof. embarrassing moment of my life. Oh, and then so sorry. on top of all of this, imagine I'm also looking around the room at people I work with. Oh yeah. So, I wonder if that had something to do with it. You know, at the time I don't, I, I th- yes, maybe, I don't know, but that really didn't, wasn't what registered in my head. It actually wasn't until later that I went, Oh crap. You know, that's the oh, way. Gotcha. because in the, in the moment you're just trying to get it right. Yeah. You know, you're just trying to do well, but it was just mortifying. And to this day, I feel like that's my like nightmare version of like showing up naked to yeah. like the test is this idea that I'm going to ruin an, an entire shoot day for a 30 person team. Do you because- ever have that nightmare? <laughs> no, not exactly. Yeah. But, but I think that that it's like my, my waking nightmare was that day of just going like, I know what it's like to be in these people's shoes and just watch this actor just blow it for 36 takes. Do, what happened with the project? I don't even know. Did they you know, just shut it down at lunch? And- <laughs> eventually, I think they were able to, like, you know how it goes. You piece it together, yeah. right? Like, you just sort of break it yeah. down line by line, and you end up piecing But I, I just feel sorry for them when they have to do that, because yeah. it's the worst. Well, and so. when you get in your own head, and you're trying to perform, and the second that any kind of doubt creeps in, it's like, oh, I'm fucking this up. And it just, it just it compounds it. It snowballs. makes it so bad. Uh, especially if you're like a feeling kind of person. Yeah. yeah it's tough. It was really tough. And yeah. and also I just could see it in the director. Like he, he like lowered his head, you know, one point. Oh, like, bummer. Then I have another one too, though. Just Elizabeth has a terrible actor moment. <laughs> so, um, that movie, God, I'm going to forget the name. And this is going to be a stupid illustration. If I can't remember the name of the movie, it was a Ben Affleck movie. Um, and it was a scary movie that was filmed in Missouri. Dang, mm, cool. Mm, ah, I don't know. doesn't matter. Big blockbuster movie came through Missouri. Um, ben Affleck was the A-list star. And, they, and in order to get the tax credits, they have to hire a certain amount of local oh, talent. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it has to play out in certain ways. It has to be some speaking talent. I mean, that's the way these yeah. tax credits work. And so, so I get called in for this thing. And I'm like, oh, and I, I have a four month old baby. I have no babysitter. My father-in-law came with me to the audition to watch my baby. <laughs> and I just didn't take it very seriously. And the poor girl who was placed with me um, wanted the job really bad. She didn't get it either. Um, and I could tell she was embarrassed by whatever I was doing. I don't even remember what I was doing. And, um, like and breastfeeding your baby during the where office. the guy, so the director was somebody famous. I can't believe I'm not remembering what this, this little thing is called, but, um, he wasn't in the room, but some assistant director was there doing some casting and he'd flown into it and he literally shook his head, closed his eyes and he goes, that's not going to work for the director. <laughs> Oh no! And I was like, "Oh man, my acting career is oh, over." Was that it? That was it. That and was they it? like they like dismissed me. Yeah. I was like, "I'm done <laughs> from your career." I'm done. They, they dismissed you from the room. Please and hire from me as a photographer because I'm a terrible yeah. actor. Well, that's it. Like, did you ever come back around and work for some, work with some of these people that uh, saw you bomb on set one day? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The tutorial I filmed, um, for doing some education stuff, the girl, there was a woman who I I like a lot in St. Louis who was, uh, was the second camera and, and she was the second camera on the, um, on the the commercial sheet that I did terribly at. And I I was just, I was not going to bring it up. I was not going to bring it up. She remembered. I'm sure she did. So, so it sounds like your photo career kind of kind of sprung from, from there in St. Louis after an acting career, you decided that wasn't for you. (laughs) Our stories are kind of parallel. (laughs) It's like acting's not for me. I've got to figure something out. I've still got that call sheet. Maybe I'll call some of those people, see if they need me. But how'd you, how'd you, uh, how did you get, uh, make like a bona fide photography career? Did you say you did acting? Did I not know that? Huh? Did you do acting? Uh Uh-huh. I didn't know that. You didn't? How did I miss that? We can talk about this later. No, I, tell I, me, tell me. Yeah, I I did it my my whole life. I mean, from being a kid to uh, you know, I was always in the school plays growing up, and then high school got pretty serious about it, and then uh, college, I uh, went to the University of Tennessee uh, for theater for stop. Yeah, for a year. How did I not know this? I don't know. Uh, because you didn't listen to the six pack with Zach episode. I did. Maybe not the end of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I listened to it <laughs> at least the first time. Yeah. And then I moved to LA when I was 19 and I was out there for two years doing the acting thing. And that's how I got into production. Ah, yeah. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. I probably would have taken this conversation in a totally different well, direction. No, it's like the same, that. but it's kind of the same deal. Yeah. Like I was around set and I, I really like, I got high from it. Like yeah. I was like, this is cool. This is really neat. I love being a part of it. Uh, this acting thing. I'm, 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 you were probably way better be than cu- me though. Cut out for it. I did it for a long time and did the theater thing. So I thought I was, I thought I was good at it, but apparently not as good or handsome as some of those LA boys, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the same kind of trip, you know, it's, it's similar. And I couldn't be happier with how I got on the other side of the camera. Yeah, for serious. Is that the same? Is that you yes. too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Please let me not ever be. It terrifies the shit out of me it now. Does. I don't want to be in front of the camera at all. No. And, and my, my childhood best friend here in town is on camera talent. She's been on talent with, on test set with us. Oh, a lot of Whitney? Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's awesome. And, um, you know, and, she, and we have these conversations and like, there's this little bit of her that sometimes will be like, you know when, how it's so awesome when, and I'm a little bit like, no, that's my I, hell. No, that's, that is you girl. Let's, <laughs> let's support you in that moment. Cause that is not for me. So, so how the, how the switch happened? When did you really start working as a, as a photographer? Well, uh, you know, it was very, it was pretty slow because, you know, kids were born in the moment of yeah. all of this. Right? I mean, you were still, you were going to auditions when your kids were four months old. So <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, so that that process also like lingered probably longer than it should, just because yeah. it, you know I was if if I ever got called in by the casting directors or the agents, it was because they knew me, and so it's like hard to say no to that, and it's like you know those are relationships I valued, but um, but so that that went on for a while, but it was never positive. Um, anyways, I eventually, um, just started doing regular days of the week at my studio, which was the best change I had ever done. And I don't know a lot of other photographers that do it. Um, cause it can be tricky to do, but what I started doing, um, having little bitty kids at home is saying my days of the week are Wednesdays and Thursdays. And then, you know, I, I was not a freelancer in the sense that I am now here in Knoxville. I, I, I usually ran my own show. So like I had my own clients. So if, that, if then a commercial client came along and said, Hey, we want to shoot, you know, for a bank or something, I could then say, well, we'll do it Monday, Tuesday or Friday. Right. Oh, so gotcha. I, yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't having, I wasn't beholden to other people's schedules yeah. very much. I mean, it happened every once in a while, but it wasn't often. And so on Wednesdays and Thursdays, I would take these private clients. I would do actress headshots. I'd do models portfolios. I'd do corporate headshots. I'd do whatever, you know, I felt like was on brand for me. And I was good at, and, you know, people were willing to pay for. I also have a few things about my studio that I, I felt like made my work good. Um, and that was people, people valuing hair and makeup and mm-hmm. things like that. I had a, I had a full time, it's not full time, but I had a regular, um, wardrobe stylist who worked for me. And so we just, we became known for that. And, yeah. um, and so we had busy days, Wednesdays and Thursdays, every single week. And with little kids, that was, that was a workflow I could manage yeah. because it just was predictable. Um, and it was good, decent money. Yeah, I was going to um, say money it, was probably pretty decent for only working two days a week yeah, or exactly. only having that two days a week. Yeah. And then if commercial stuff came along, you know, that was actually more money usually. Yeah. And so that way I could say, oh, well, this is worth it for me to get additional childcare yeah. or, or, you know, tell my husband I'll be home late or whatever yeah. it was. But I also became known for being like the nine to five. Like my clients knew that if rap was at five with Elizabeth Wiseman, rap was at five yeah. because, you know, I was You're like the it. mom yeah. that had to be home to my kids. And that is not a referendum on my husband. He would have been flexible. It's just the way I wanted my, it's the way I wanted my career to go. And, yeah. and so that's kind of how that happened is that just that slow and also have an amazing studio in St. Louis that I found during the recession. Um, mm. and I've just grandfathered in. So did you just start another one of these? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So did you just start, uh, just got a studio and went ahead and started your own thing? I mean, you referenced your studio, so you had a space already. Yeah. You didn't just freelance and then go from there. You, you went ahead and said, I'm going to get a space with a psych and do, do that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it's, it's funny when you work in acting headshots, um, if people are interested in this, I don't know. I'm sure they are. Um, yeah, whatever. So when you do acting headshots, there's a super, um, deep relationship with the acting agencies mm. and they are they are loyal to a fault. Um, uh, Which you had experience working with. Right. So already. I was a shoe in and, and yeah. that was overwhelming at first, but it actually was just almost pure luck in some ways because, you know, I showed up in town and these agents, one of them literally said to me, I cannot send you people to your house anymore. Can you please get a studio? Oh, gotcha. And so, uh, so I looked around, I, I got a shared studio, you know, we've all yeah, encountered yeah. these like shared yeah. studios. And the funny thing is, is I was working with a lot of beautiful people. And so, because they were all agency represented talent, it was a mid-sized market. We were pretty close to Chicago. So there's a lot of people that were, there's a lot of people in the Midwest that 
work and production. Mm-hmm. And so uh, all the other people who shared this studio were super curious about what, yeah. like, <laughs> what I did. Why do you have all these gorgeous models coming yeah. all day long? So there was a lot of, a lot of like, I just sort of felt very claustrophobic in that shared setting. And so I actually just approached the building that the shared studio was in and said, hey, do you have any other spaces? Mm-hmm. And at the time they had like nobody. It was this big warehouse essentially. Um, well, it's like Saint, 2010. Yeah. So. And St. Louis got hit, hit by some like, it like industry kind of stuff leaving downtown real bad. I mean, there's empty buildings everywhere in St. Louis, right? Yeah. Especially around the recession time. Yeah. It's come back since, but yeah, it's, um, it was hit really hard. There was a lot of specific industries like, you know, the shoe industry and things like that, 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 you know, Macy's, some of Macy's I think headquarters, it was, some of this predates me from when I lived there. So I'm not trying to, I just remember about hearing about that, about like there a lot of, uh, dilapidated buildings in downtown St. Louis that used to be very vibrant and bustling and, yeah. and all that. And they just got kind of got hit hard by it. It did get hit hard by it. And St. Louis suffers also from a lot of, um, a lot of institutional racism and a lot of other things that suffer in any downtown area. If you have a lot of, um, you know, it's a heterogeneous, 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 yeah. Uh, (laughs) culture where there's just, there's a lot of diversity. And so it's just a hard, it's a hard city to manage and and it's a beautiful and amazing city because of that. But the, the, the downtown suffered during the recession because of that, because there's just a lot of competing groups really needing resources. And so, so yeah, I have this, um, so there was a big warehouse that used to be a newspaper. Um, some really nice people owned it. And at the time they didn't, you know, they were really had big ideas about where they wanted to go like 10 years down the road. Mm. So it was kind of low stakes for them to yeah. have little old me in a squatting yeah. in a corner essentially with a six month lease or yeah, <laughs> for serious. I mean, I think I've been month to month for 10 years now. Yeah. And so you still got it. Oh yeah. I, yeah. So I keep it. I still have it. So okay. I still have my studio in St. Louis. Um, it's an amazing, it's just a really inspiring pay- place. I actually have, you know, kind of hotshot photographers come in from New York that are part of the educational company that I, I do some work with Yeah, and they'll like come and, you know, come to my space to, to shoot a little test shoot or something while they're in town. And they're like, Oh my God. You know, cause, well, cause t- in New York, it would be a million dollars, you know, to have this space. And it's been around how long now? 10, 12 years. My, the one I've actually had at least there about 10 years. Yeah. So, so Hey, that's a 10 year plan. You you were part of their 10 year plan. They just didn't no. know it yet. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and, and then maybe another little side note that's interesting or not is just that it, if you could see where it was before, where it is now, now they are like a tech hub. Really? So I literally am still like, you know, those you feel those, grandfathered in a little yeah, bit. I'm totally grandfathered in hundred percent grandfathered <laughs> in and I'm super nice to everyone there. And they're actually great too, but like everyone knows me, like all yeah. the maintenance people were like yeah. texting. And yeah. so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend that as a, as a creative is just to like sort of hold your position and be nice. Like yeah. just because that's what you got to do in the, in the hard times. But yep. they now they have re- renovated the entire building. There's like a, there's a government presence in there. There's like servers. They will drop a line directly from a server. If you get the internet through one of the servers in the building, it's insane. <laughs> so I'm, I literally have not touched my space. So it's still that's got amazing. like the old, like fluorescent bulbs yeah. and everyone's while they come in. Cause I'm like, Hey, there's this thing. Can you come look at yeah. it? And they, they walk in my studio and kind of look around and go, Oh, <laughs> we need to get you some LED lights. And I'm like, no, no, please ignore me. (laughs) Like, Don't pay attention to me at all. I I like the charm here. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like having it. If you guys realize what you've got, it'll be gone. That's exactly (laughs) it. It's like the, it's like the creative version of being a libertarian. (laughs) You leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. Yeah. Well, how long did that take to play itself out? And what was the, like the life cycle of that? I mean, it's obviously still going, you live here now, so you probably don't work there as much, but like, what was the whole trip like with, with that over the, what we've been back here a year, two years, what were the eight years like that you were there? I've been here a year. Um, not even a year, actually May of last year we moved here. Um, so 
it basically has been my business model until I moved. I mean, I, I, the main thing that changed was I got full-time childcare for my kids mm -hmm. and then started taking more commercial clients. Gotcha. And so that's really the only thing that fundamentally changed, um, is that I just knew more people. People were pursuing me for more larger projects, essentially. It's mm -hmm. just, I don't want to go you know, into detail cause it's just boring, but, um, <laughs> that's really all it is, is there was just growth. And so my team grew a little bit, you know, I now have a guy who's essentially my, my, I jokingly call him my house sitter because he kind of, you know, <laughs> makes sure that the studio is okay. He's yeah. my digital tech. He, he makes sure everything works well. And then cool. I have a couple of makeup artists that I use. So they all sort of stay on the, you know, figurative payroll, if not literal. Yeah. And then, um, and then when I moved here, um, so I moved here for my mom. I also moved here because my husband was really over St. Louis for various reasons, even though it's a really special place. Um, it's a tough place to live because yeah. of all those city things I was just mentioning. Yep. Um, and we lived in an urban area and our kids starting kindergarten. It's just, yeah. it was a lot. Had to think about a lot. We had to think about a lot. Yeah. So, so we did all that and then, um, got here <clears throat> and I just planned on commuting. You know, I would just do a couple of days back to back. I mean, work six to six to eight, in a, you know, every day while I was there. And I thought that I would do that and that it, there would be no work here. I literally yeah. just thought that. Yeah. And, um, and you're you know, willing to do it, take care of your mom the other five days a week and, or your kids or whatever. Yeah, and exactly. Then, yeah. Um, and do editing or post or whatever. Sure. And I didn't, I just entered some of the education stuff that I do now too, the photography education. And so I want to talk about that too before we're done. <clears throat> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm rambling yeah. too. No, no, no. It's okay. But yeah. So we, um, so that was fine. And then it became more stressful than I thought it would be to travel. Yeah. So I do it less now. And, you know, Pop Fizz, who, you know, everybody on this podcast probably knows that you um, are a part of, is an amazing company that has been hiring me since I've gotten here. And, you know, every time I get hired, I'm always like, yes. Because mm -hmm. Pop Fizz Productions are super fun and super laid back. And as someone who has always run my own production, having someone else handle all those nice. details is just the nicest thing. Because yeah, I've not really ever done that. I've never yeah. really been a hired hand. And, yeah, it's always been your show. And it's just a lot of pressure. And I didn't realize, yeah. actually, until I stopped doing it, how much um, unpaid for time. I was spending at my, my studio in St. Louis, yeah. like I, that I was doing so much correspondence and yeah. so much additional editing and yep. so much, um, relationship management that to take it's that out build. of the, that's not built. None yeah. of that's built. I mean, some yeah. of it's built, but yeah. very few of it's built. Yeah. And to take that out of the equation was just life changing. And yeah. so, um, so now I've been really grateful for the work that I've gotten here. Well, it's nice to have you certainly. Yeah. And, uh, I, I will say that you wouldn't, you wouldn't be there if you weren't good. Brian Allen has very high standards oh, and he, he must think you're as good as good, if not better than him, if he's hiring <laughs> you. And he would probably say better just because that's what he says. Nice. Well, no, that's what he says about everybody. Hire, yeah. hire people better than you and get out of their way. That's you know, his, uh, <laughs> I tell you what, surrounding people, surrounding yourself with, with the talented people is the only way to get through this life. So, yeah. Uh, so how do you like it here? Has it been all right moving back? Yeah, it's actually yeah. been better than I thought. Um, you know, I have a lot of, uh, sort of childhood baggage here, and I was afraid of that. Really? I, I, is it, it is it is it manifesting itself a little bit, or is it no big deal? No, I think it was just a little bit of a boogeyman for me because you know, growing up in the suburbs and then feeling like I experienced a lot of growth away mm -hmm. from that, um, yeah. and then feeling like I might be moving back to it was 
overwhelming. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that there's like this, it's almost like this, yeah, I mean, baggage is a good way to put it, but like this magnetic kind of stuff that you, that when you come back to a geographical place, you feel like you just re-entered this, this world of emotions and feelings that you left behind and you, and you were felt liberated from, but now you, you're scared to get back into it. Was that, was that for LA for you? I mean, how was a, that? How was a that little bit, a, a little bit. I mean, yeah. And, and I've moved away before too. And I've always, I've, I've always, you know, I, yeah, I've, I've always kind of been nervous about reintegrating into a, a place that I've already moved away from just because yeah. it, it can bring back, it can dig up a lot of shit that you'd forgotten about yep. and it can dig up some stuff that doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. You know, things that, that don't matter, but for, there's drama for some reason somewhere. Yeah. And it's like, I, when, when I did, when I was away from this, it didn't matter at all, Yeah, you know? And, and so, yeah. I have experienced a little bit of that. Were but. you were you afraid you would become? So this is most of my fear. So I'll just project this on you. Yeah. Were you afraid you would become the person you were before? Hmm. I, that didn't reg, that didn't register with me, and I, uh, I I think I was so just. 10 foot tall and bulletproof when I came back, especially from LA that I thought I was a better person than I was when I left. And you sure. know, so, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I know I was too good to, to, to become the person I was before. <laughs> no, right. Good. I mean, that was my like cocky mentality, which is totally wrong. But you know, I, I did once I did get back here from Los Angeles, I did a lot of soul searching and a lot of growing and became a much better person than I ever was before I was there or, you know, when I was there or, or when I was here. But I do, that just kind of resonates with me a, a little bit, like how much the, like the, especially the, the high school kind of stuff and sure. going back to people that you knew when you were, yeah. when you were coming of age, like, it's just like, there's this stuff that these feelings that are very real that can come back and impact your life in a real way as an adult yep. when they happen in a seemingly insignificant yeah. <laughs> time. So there is some fear, I think with that, with, right. you know, reacclimating to a place that you intentionally left. Yeah. I mean, and we're, you know, we're not in the same physical geography as we were, you know, growing up, we're a little further towards downtown and, and I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, yeah, I was afraid of becoming the same person again. I was afraid of everyone thinking I was the same person too. Mm. Um, you know, and social media helps with that a little bit. Like yeah. people kind of, and, and you that's, reinvent that's yourself my own, every day. you know, that's my own crap that I should even care at all yeah. what people think about that kind of thing. But it was a bit, it was, it was just hard for me because I really had worked hard in St. Louis for my position. Like yeah. I'd were, I'd really, and I'm a self-taught photographer. Yeah. And I mean, we, a lot of us are, everybody is, but you carved out your spot too. Yeah, and that exactly. was, you know, painstaking. It sounds like it's, I mean, you didn't, you didn't stumble on that right. I success. I didn't like, you know, have a mentor that, you know, gave me their position when yeah. they were gone or anything like that. And so, so to come here and to say, you know, you, you feel you have to let go of the idea that you're going to have to like tap everybody on the shoulder and go like, like I do cool shit. Like, yeah. like I do cool things, yeah. you know? And so, um, so that was, that was hard, but actually when we got here and some of the other things that just made it really fulfilling here, like that, like I mentioned before the landscape and, you know, we bought this funky log cabin that we, we really have sort of wrapped <laughs> our identity around and, and just little things like that. Yeah. And just sort of being mindful of and intentional about like what we're bringing into our lives. I mean, that makes me sound like, you know, we're growing our own food or something and we're not, but, <laughs> um, I just, I just mean like, 
I want to make sure that um, that if I buy a car, that it's it's really the car that suits my life and my family, and not because it's the cool car in Knoxville, right? Yeah, and so I there's get little it. things about that that yeah. I, I just I, I felt I had anxiety about before they could even be a thing. Yeah, and that, I feel like that is like insecurity evaporating. You know, sure. don't buy shit you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. You know, exactly. it's like you get to, you get all and that. I don't stuff. like anyone. <laughs> You drive a badass truck, right? It's practical. A really beat up 10 year old truck. Yes. Yes. It's so badass. My dad has a much nicer one. And sometimes I park it next to it. I'm like, oh Oh, God, yours is so much nicer. Uh, You pulled in the driveway. Sarah goes, that's a nice truck. I was like, yeah, it is. She goes, that's your truck. That's what you want. I know they are. I wrecked it. I wrecked it last January and everyone's, everyone goes, oh no. Like while we waited for to see whether or not it was going to be totaled. Cause it's it's hard to replace a, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, let's see, you're back here. You you mentioned the, um, you mentioned the educational stuff. Yeah. What's that? So, so that's been, um, that has been a very intentional, um, strategy for me moving here as well. Um, and that was partially for two reasons. One was because I thought it was a nice closure on a chapter of my photography career, which was the model testing and actors headshot stuff. What's model testing? So model testing, and that's exactly what my tutorial is about. Model testing is, um, when you work closely with a modeling agency and you have a new model or a model who needs an updated portfolio and you provide the photography, it's pretty straightforward, but it's, um, it's got all these industry hangups. And it's also this kind of thing that people do really wrong um, because they think it's like sexy or it's like editorial fashion photography and it's not quite that. Mm. And so there's a lot to it. And that's why I made the the tutorial um, because, you know, I was getting, I got to a point where even scrambling with toddlers and little babies in my house and not having enough time. I was having people fly in from New York and fly in from Chicago. And, you know, and I'm doing like almost no retouching on these pictures. And it's just like, I'm going, what do you guys even see in my work? I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like tattered when I show up for the day and I'm trying my best, but like, you know, I'm not this flashy studio that's doing all this stuff. But what it was is I, I knew how to make a model look good. And one of the things that, that happens when you, you end up with this portfolio full of fashion images that then attracts fashion clients. So then gotcha. I'm in the Midwest attracting fashion clients. So gotcha. people are looking at me going, wait, how are you, how did you get that? you know, that footwear client, or how did you get that in, and they're going like, you're in St. Louis. That doesn't make any sense. And it's really all because of this path where I was, I was photographing these models for their agent. Gotcha. And so I made this educational tutorial about it. It was launched by this company called pro edu who, um, was actually based out of St. Louis. And that's another example of me just like banging down their door because really? everyone else they work with is like, it, these are top, top, top. It's like masterclass. People. Yeah. So they, they create these masterclass types things. Uh, Creative Live is another sort of competitor example. Um, but yeah, they're, they've got these guys like, you know, Chris Knight, who's got 300,000 followers. Yeah. So these got these sort of top tier photographers making tutorials with them. And then here's me <laughs> coming along going, I have this little niche content. Can we please make well, it? I watched a promo uh, that you had posted on Instagram and it was awesome. Thanks. And you were great on camera. It looked, it looked fantastic. Yeah. And all the info was... And I, and I don't mean this in a bad way. It, it, when you said it, it, it seemed, it's like, oh, why didn't I know? Like it was, it was, you simplified it so well. You explained thanks. it very succinctly and it sounded like uh, it was very easy, easy to uptake. Yeah, and, it's, and I can see how people are going to get a lot out of that. Do you get to, with, with model testing is, is part of that, like as a photographer, we, t- you know, we talked about injecting your own, your own kind of your own creativity or your own ideas into something that you're already doing. Is that, is that also an opportunity for you to try out some 
new things, whether it's wardrobe or makeup or lighting or, I mean, is that a kind of a playground too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, it, at the, towards the end, it wasn't, I mean, I'm going to be honest. And, um, you know, and if people who are buying my tutorial, <laughs> listen to this, they may, they may just pause at that, but, but I'll explain is that because one of the things that I go over in the, in the tutorial is actually how to make it a revenue stream. Um, that's not the main content for it. The main content is actually to do the two things that I mentioned, which is like, have this fashion portfolio that you're building and then attract clients. But, um, but it, it did become, um, a situation where I wasn't being that creative and at times because I was working so hard to please the agencies. And so I actually had to force myself at times to go back in and go, Oh, we have a really cool model coming in today. Like let's, let's do the things that will make it so that not only will these be perfect because we always worked hard to make it exactly what the agency wanted, yeah. but every once in a while you had to really be intentional to, uh, to make sure it was something that I wanted to, mm -hmm. because otherwise I was just trying to get as many people in the door so that I could make yeah. it profitable. I mean, sure. And that can be challenging in any kind of personal photography when you're trying to, you know, make a studio work. So, so, so it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, and I don't do very much of it here in town. I'm still doing it in St. Louis. Um, and mostly just out of loyalty to my clients because I love them and I love my studio. But like I said, I mean, there's a bit of this that, that's, that's kind of closing the chapter on that, that, that education side was closing the chapter on that hustle side of it. And mm -hmm. so if I do it in the future, I'm probably am going to do it more for the creative part oh, and, gotcha. and, and do it out of loyalty to the handful of models that I, that I love to update and I update their portfolios every year or two. Um, or <clears throat> I'll also, you know, be using it towards creating new educational materials, which mm -hmm. is kind of the next, you know, this is, we're all in quarantine, right? So we're all thinking about passive income. We're all thinking about what happens next. And so, you know, when I was moving here, it was another thing to think about, like, this is, this is my strong content right here. This, this model testing thing. I know, I know it like the back of my hand. People ask me about it all the time. Young people come to my studio. That's the only thing they want to learn. They don't care about my ability to use strobes or whatever. They want to learn yeah. how to model test. So it, there was that passing on nature. And then, you know, it's a matter of going, what education products can I make next? You know, what gotcha. else, what else can I teach it, teach on a platform next? Cause I really like teaching. And I think that that's going to be a new place of growth for me in a small market like Knoxville. I think there's tons of commercial work to do, but I think that it's going to be just an, another way to add a robustness to a career and create passive income. You've got, you definitely have a knack for it from the little bit that, that I saw and you have the experience and the knowledge too, and a way to put it out there. So it seems like a, it seems like a good next step, but then it's also a pedigree a little bit too, right? Go back to school if, uh, yeah. And then, and then, and then start teaching after, after right. that, become the teacher. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is, you know, I, I've always loved teaching enough that I would do that. I know Brian does that, right? Like he yeah. does a little bit of, you know, people do it for the love and I, mm -hmm. I would do it, you know, and I just started a YouTube and I find myself making videos just yeah. like out of the, Oh, I want to tell people this. And yeah. So I think that that's okay with me. I mean, and if I were to like get some cushy professor position, I might not say no to it. Yeah. But, um, but no, I think, I think for me too, it's, it's also an opportunity to meet additional people. I mean, when you do end up in a smaller market, every once in a while we go to Atlanta or mm -hmm. you guys may end up in LA and other places, but as a freelancer here, you know, unless I build my brand on a national level, mm -hmm. Knoxville is not going to propel me forward in yeah. that way. And I don't know that that's my path and I'm okay with it either way, but this education stuff just sort of gives me, gives me the voice and the opportunity to, to grow in a way that's not geographically tied to Knoxville. Yeah. And I think the, you know, globalization is the wrong word, but you know, with all this remote work we're doing now, I think geography and where you're, 
where your uh, where your car is garaged and where you get yeah. mail is becoming less and less important. I mean, yeah. you know, and and maybe maybe our market can't sustain you know your your commercial photography career, but maybe the region can. You know, the southeast or even you know all over the country, and that there aren't barriers anymore. You yeah. know, to that. And so it it is if you can get yourself out there and, and become you know and and get on people's radars. There's nothing to say that you can't work all all over the world. Everybody, right. everybody, now everybody can, yeah. can do that. I agree. Well, I think the, uh, is pro edu is what it's called. Yeah, I think pro it's edu. really cool. It is um, cool. How, what's the, like, what's the structure of it? How many, epi- or how many, not episodes, uh, uh, classes are there? Uh, in my tutorial or, yeah. or that they have on their platform? Uh, that just in your tutorial. So, you know, it's funny. I should know the answer to this more specifically. I looked at it today. I looked when I was preparing, I looked at it today and it looks like there were a dozen or so. Is that right? Yeah. And it's more like chapters because yeah, it's all, kinda, it's yeah. all sort of based under the same. Um, but you know, just to give you a general breakdown for people who might be interested in it. Um, and, and I will say for people who aren't going to model test or who are Knoxville natives and maybe don't have the crop of models that would make this sustainable the way exactly the way I did it in St. Louis, but you might be able to in Charlotte or Atlanta or pull people from there. But, um, but the other big important thing about it is that we geared a lot of this content towards how to build a really great fashion portfolio and Mm. what that can do for you as a commercial photographer. So we had two models. Uh, we had a very editorial model who's Traditionally editorial, very tall, very thin, you know, um, really interesting face. Kind of runway. Yeah, exactly. And then um, and then we had a more commercial model, right? So she's got this cool smile, these great freckles, this, you know, great curly hair. Yeah. Um, and so so it was about that contrast and sort of yeah. getting, getting the right. And as you know, in any kind of visual storytelling, it's about matching up what it is that you're trying to do with the tools that you have. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to make sure that you can, you can tell that story correctly with what you've got in front of you. And so the, the whole tutorial is about that. It's about saying like, who do you have around you? What do you have access to? Is it editorial models? Is it commercial models? Is it top people in New York or is it your baby sister yeah. or whatever? And then how do you build a really cool portfolio from that? Yeah. But, and, and it's almost like you're giving them universal tools to deploy no yeah. matter who that model is yeah. or, that's okay. the idea. Yeah. 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 Because when I was watching it, it seemed like, you know, uh, the word model testing, I wasn't familiar with. I had to look it up today before you came in. Uh, and, but it seemed like everything you were saying could not just work for that, but it just seems like great advice for directing talent uh, in, yeah. in, in a lot of ways. I mean, you gave some really succinct hacks, really, that, that just, that when I was watching it, I was like, She's she's right. I've never noticed it. I've never put those words to it, but that's exactly right. And it, it, it's 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 awesome. And I'm glad that you're getting the word out there. Yeah, it's really cool. Thanks. What's your YouTube thing? So, uh, ooh, you know, it's funny because I just started it, and so and I have the I wrong, launched it wrong, yet. No, I have launched it, um, but I think the actual backslash is wrong until uh, I get a hundred followers and I can change it. So don't okay, go to, gotcha. So, okay. but you can just find me if you just if you if you search Elizabeth Wiseman photographer mm-hmm. or fashion photographer, I am fairly certain it'll pop up first thing. Okay. Um, because the actual like URL is wrong until I can fix that. Gotcha. But do follow me so that I can get to my yeah. thresholds. But What's no, I Instagram. Have, uh, my Instagram. Instagram is eWiseman Photo. Um, and on both of them, I'm releasing a lot of new, small, um, just educational content. Like you said, that's been something that's been really fun for me during this time where I'm kind of stuck at home is I'm releasing all these old snippets, which are like 
you know, clickbait stuff that you, that not, I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean, like yeah. kind of a fun way, right? Yeah. Like it's, um, it's like five quick tips for better lighting or three tips for better posing or yeah. how to work with kids better. And, you know, I think that those are the kinds of things that I didn't have when I was first starting out is these just like little bits of like, Oh, I wish I'd known. Mm -hmm. So those have been really fun for me to make. There's something to that too. There's a, um, a, a, security and also uh, a confidence that it takes to educate other people mm -hmm. with what your tricks of the trade are. And that's, I feel like that's how you know who, who is really doing something and who's really good <laughs> at something is when they're not nervous to share those kinds of things with other people. I mean, and you're at that point and that's really, Thanks, that's, that's something. It's, I, I don't know if I'm at that point so much as I have just learned that like none of us are None of us. Nothing's are, proprietary. Nothing's proprietary. Yeah. Nobody's inventing anything new. <laughs> um, and also, like, you could take the. I'm just repeating everything we already no, know, it's but okay. it's essentially like you and I could take the exact same stuff, and our, you know, it's it's going to look different, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. the way that that's just the way that art is. So, did we leave anything out? Did we miss anything that you can think of? Tell me, tell me more about you. I don't about know. Me? No, I'll have to go back and finish. I got. You I, should. I, was I, I gave to my you whole talk you? about the origins of the podcast, and I guess I just missed the end where you talked about that. Yeah, that we it was it was almost two hours long, so I, I don't know. We we really got going. Oh. I drank a cup of coffee. He did too, right before we started. So I think we just went. <laughs> it's the longest the one yet. It. It's the most narcissistic thing ever. My own podcast is, is the, the longest, longest one. one. That's how it should be, right? <laughs> But I really appreciate you coming by. I'm glad I'm glad that we did this. I was I was honestly nervous to ask you to come, so I'm glad that we made this happen. Yeah. I've been you've been on my me. list for a long time. So awesome. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, yeah, no, I really appreciate you having yeah. me. This has been on my agenda as well. Yeah, cool. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man. Well, how about that? Elizabeth Wiseman. I'm so glad that she stopped by. She's fantastic, incredibly hard worker and smart person that's created this uh this photography business and company and studio just kind of out of thin air and grown it into something that's really great and really big and i'm excited for her and i hope that she can keep it all going in a new market uh in here in knoxville guys thanks for listening so much i appreciate it a lot uh go to uh, patreon.com backslash south of scruffy and uh, be sure to subscribe spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Matt Honkinen, play me out.